Greetings. This is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm about to have a conversation. I, Master Plo, have you heard of this conversation? Yes, Kotor Yah, Obi-Wan. You're listening to Star Wars Conversations here indeed. This is Rob LeBerry from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and you're listening to Conversations with Pat and Charles. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat. And this is... Episode 20. The Jedi Temple is a vast source of information and a haven of knowledge, protected and overseen by the most dedicated of Jedi guardians. The Temple holds years of knowledge passed down through generations of Jedi, except Kamino. What's that? This is the Jedi Temple Archives team-up episode. Nice. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. It's not there. <laughs> no, it is not. Well, we'll get to that part. But, um, <laughs> yes, so the Jedi Temple in its various forms and various characters that move inside and out of it. And uh, today we have a very special guest. Uh, we do. To help us along with this uh, discovery in this path. And it's Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing awesome, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Well, this is fan, absolutely fantastic. It's our pleasure. Yes, yes, it is our pleasure. And it's uh, it's great to, to be able to finally get you on, and uh, I'm glad the schedule's all worked out, and it's uh, fantastic to be here with you. Yeah, it's so, a long time coming, right? It is. Well, but you also graced us with your uh, OT questions back in uh, episode yes. 17. Yes. As if that was a long time ago. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yes, in our lightsabers episode. And uh, those were fantastic, and we had some questions for you and about your deep knowledge, and uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, but could you let your uh, like our listeners let us know about your podcast and what uh, what what you're about? Yeah, uh, so basically the Jedi Temple Archives podcast uh, was really a good fit for a name for the podcast because I kind of wanted to start a podcast that um, was approachable for people who weren't like the uber nerd. Star Wars fans, uh, people who kind of had a casual exposure to it, typically through the movies, uh, but to kind of teach them or, or inform them a little bit about all the other uh, events and people and planets and species that exist within the Star Wars galaxy. And, uh, you know, as you guys would certainly know, you know, the additional storylines that take place outside the films really kind of flesh out uh, your enjoyment of watching the films. I mean, you can go back and watch a film you thought you knew everything about, and then you start picking up all these other little details um, I was kind of say that Star Wars is, is like an onion, man. There's always another layer, uh, when you feel the top one away, right? So, um, and, and my wife is like I, like I told you guys a little bit before the show that she's kind of my test audience. She's more of the casual Star Wars fan. So I do the episodes and, uh, and she kind of gives me the feedback on whether, you know, that particular topic, you know, I, she'll often say, I did the Joe Cast a new, uh, episode and she's like, I wasn't really excited to, to find out about a librarian, but, uh, you know, that was, that was really an interesting episode, and there was a lot there. So uh, it's it's really what we're going for is just to kind of uh, increase everyone's enjoyment of, of Star Wars and all of the content that's out there, uh, whether you're just a casual fan or, or a hardcore fan. That's really cool. Yeah. And I highly recommend it, too, for anybody who wants to listen, because it's, like we said before, it's so well-researched, and, you know, you, it, it, the information you present really is comes off as an easy listen, and the... 
you know, it's not too technical and it's funny even with uh, some of the people that I've worked, you know, work with and speak to about, I take that approach as well because I try not to be like the, the uh, Star Wars overlord. And it, it does take a skill where you're trying to not, uh, you know, alienate a fan who wants to learn about it with the, you know, the 17 or the with 18th the layer. With flood of yeah, just references nerd and, information. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> right. And your podcast really does that. So it's, it's fantastic. Um, so when did you cover um, the Jedi Temple uh, subject? And yeah, the yeah, that was actually the Jedi Temple uh, I did separately from the Joe Cassidy episode. She was certainly mentioned, but that was our very first episode. Just kind of laying in the groundwork of why that, you know, that name for a podcast inspired me. Um, I, I wanted it to kind of be a repository of knowledge and uh, a place that people could go to learn more about Star Wars. And then Joe Casta knew she was probably four or five episodes ago. Um, uh, and it was interesting. I went to Grand Rapids Comic Con. There was a, a, a lady there who was doing an amazing joke as the new cosplay. Oh, so I had wow. to get a photo with her, right? So you don't see that there very well. Um, yeah, it's a deep cut. I yeah. like that. It was That's a cool. deep cut. So I, I was uh, pretty impressed to see see her outfit. And she had, you know, hand uh, embroidered everything. And it was it was really nice. So Very cool. Yeah, yeah we uh, we didn't start with the first episode. We started with we started episode, with four. episode four. Right. <laughs> the only way you could ever start a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, well, right? it is. Unbeknownst to me, apparently. <laughs> you want to go back and listen to that? Yeah, that you had to you had to get back into uh, back into the swing of things. <laughs> so let's, let's jump into here. So you know, we talked about uh, Pat and I have had questions, me more than Pat, about the Jedi, you know, the temple itself and. Um, the where you know where it lies in canon and as soon as you even like your onion reference uh you know you start to peel back the layer of the the temple it it gets very deep very quickly and like where the canon versus legend uh comes in and how that really does play into what is considered true information what's not Mm -hmm. right um so from the history of the temple itself, like what, 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 how do you approach the, you know, your thought pattern on where the temple fits in and uh, into the canon and uh, and and how it it fits into the story? Well, I mean, for right now, uh, when when all of the stuff that was in the expanded universe kind of got transferred into Legends back before the Force Awakens came out, um, I was kind of torn <laughs> because I had followed all of that expanded universe content. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was I went and saw the original Star Wars film when I was very young when it was still in the theaters and uh, kind of experienced everything in the theaters in terms of the new content. And after return of the Jedi, there was that huge gap of time where there was no expectation. There were going to be any more films and uh, they started coming out with the books and that was kind of a way to to Mm -hmm. keep fandom alive during the the dark times. Right. Right. But you know, by the same token, the expanded universe kind of got a little bit bloated and there was some conflicts with storylines and things, um, despite the fact that they were all really enjoyable stories for the most part. Um, so I, I had all this star Wars knowledge and then they're like, Oh, by the way, that doesn't count anymore. <laughs> so yeah. All of a sudden I'm, Years I'm of research. Be, right. I'm back to being star Wars mentioned. <laughs> Right. <laughs> zero, zero, uh, uh, knowledge that was of much value. But by the same token, you know, it, it's, it's actually a good thing now because it is a little bit easier to separate the stuff that is legends and, and the new canon stuff. And as, uh, we talked about a little bit before the show with the books and the comics and things that they've been coming out with, and, and it's been a flood of content, they are kind of rebuilding canon pretty quickly and they're not afraid to bring things from that expanded universe back into, 
what we're considering canon. So um, as far as the Jedi Temple goes, I, I still think there's there's a decent amount of content out there. There's enough for a general backstory. Uh, it's not super fleshed out at this point, but I definitely think the Clone Wars um, has helped, and, and a lot of the comics have helped as well. Correct. And you were huge in the, on the Clone Wars. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I love the Clone Wars. But, um, yeah, I think between them and, and what you see with uh, Ezra going into the, the temple um, right in problem. Rebels, uh, I think that's kind of delving into the things that we don't see in the films. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of more in line with some of the, some of the uh, written stories. Mm-hmm. But certainly the revamping of canon cleans things up. Right. Because it got messy. Well, it did. And then from my <laughs> perspective, watching the movies and being a, a fan of the movies, and like I was telling everyone maybe knows at this point, but, you know, I never watched the Clone Wars. They weren't sort of in my wheelhouse when they first came on, regardless of the fact of how deep it is and how rich and how it enhances the entire, uh, you know, the prequel trilogy, which I 100% agree with now. But the uh, the idea that, you know, from... You know, even from five, six years ago, I thought the only Jedi temple was on Coruscant, and that was it. You know, like, mm-hmm. without having an idea that there were other sites peppered throughout the entire uh, galaxy and on different planets. Yep. And then you say, oh, okay, you start peeling back that onion again, that reference. But it's like, and then even with Rebels, like, he goes on, he gets into uh, one of the temples on the Tal. You know, like, those sort of centers of the Force and everything, and that's what's fantastic about it. Yeah. The... Um, Apart from sort of those core pieces and those other uh, sort of offshoots, the actual, you know, uh, temple on Coruscant, of course, is, according to canon, is built on top of a Sith temple, correct? Yeah, it was, uh, well, actually, the, the temple itself was built by the Jedi, the Sith then, you know, there was all kinds of conflicts between the Jedi and the Sith, and the Sith had uh, taken over the temple and basically wiped it clean, uh, you know, built their own shrines within the former Jedi temple. And it was uh, when the Jedi won that back during the Sith War and basically cleansed all sign of the Sith from the temple, there was a shrine uh, built on that mountaintop that the temple's built on that they did not know about. It was hidden. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a nexus of dark side uh, mm-hmm. power that the Jedi did not know about. And so, uh, you know, one of the reasons that was given for why the Jedi had kind of felt like the for their use of the Force had been diminished during the whole uh, uh, uh. series was the fact that this Sith shrine had kind of been permeating the temple with dark side energy, and uh, it was interfering with their connection with the light side of the Force. Uh, Which is so great. Yeah, it is, it's great. Great, it is a great sort of, not an excuse, but like a, a canon rationale. rationale for it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, 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 yeah. No, I was just gonna say, I think that you know one of the other things that's talked about a little bit as well is anytime you have a number of Sith, uh, you know, dark side Sith artifacts collected in one place, that can also kind of create a, a miasma of the dark side. And we do know from some of the comics that the within the Jedi Temple archives, they had a, a special hidden chamber uh, that housed a lot of the the artifacts that have been collected by the Jedi kind of over the eons, and they had the uh, the Mask of Darth Moment in there and some other Sith artifacts. So there was, you know, you could you could definitely say that uh, that collection of Sith artifacts also was kind of helping to permeate the temple with that dark side energy. Mm. So now you're, you're saying that as a separate sort of piece from the holocron um, uh, sort of area, right, that only the Jedi Masters of the Council had access to. Wow, I didn't right. know about that part. So they were collecting, like, 
um, uh, artifacts as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. Belongs in a museum. It doesn't belong in a museum. <laughs> you belong in a museum. <laughs> so do you. It was in an unmarked uh, crate in a giant warehouse. So. There you go. Yeah, top men. Yes. Top right. men. Um, so uh, now, do you personally believe that the gathering of said artifacts, namely Sith artifacts, are part of a driving force behind Kylo Ren's descent to the dark side. I don't know if it's necessary, the collection of the dark side artifacts. I am interested to see how they kind of wrap things up within the rise of Skywalker, because we now know that Palpatine's going to be kind of resurgent within that film. And one of the things that's established within Star Wars canon is the fact that, you know, the light side users, when they die, they kind of become the blue glowies and, um, you know, become one with the force and can, yeah, I know. <laughs> I almost brought blue glowy yeah. Obi-Wan. Yeah. Gotta we, go. have, uh, we have uh, a prequel era uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon here uh, keeping us company and we'll share a picture later. <laughs> Excellent. I want to see you guys cosplay as blue glowies. That would be, uh, that'd be amazing. There was a, um, oh, at Chicago, at right. Chicago, there was a, um, uh, Last Jedi Luke Force Ghost. Yeah, and he had like That's a shimmering funny. blue. It was like it was like a fantastic. sheer blue, um, like like almost like a wrap, overlay. Not, what it's called? Like almost like um, it's a it's like a, a uh, you know you wrap um gifts in it like that sort yeah. of like uh yeah it was yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, this guy made yeah, he yeah was like cool. everyone knew about it. Even Mark commented. Yes, on it. he did. That's right. Online. Yeah. yeah, I love that you guys are on first name basis with Mark, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then whole court things pending, so don't worry about it. Yeah, right, right. Until until the judge signs the documents, we can right. still be on his property. Right, and, and the cops show up. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. Yeah, <laughs> but go ahead. So the blue glowies. Yes. Oh, just just real quick. I mean, no one can see the the backdrop that I'm looking at and talking to you guys. And I really love how you have your restraining orders kind of lined up on the wall there. That's that's a nice touch. It is a nice touch, and each one of them signed in red by Mark. Yes, <laughs> and so, progressively yes. bigger on each one. <laughs> Right, right, right. Now, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's memorabilia at this point. It is. We're going to be selling them once this whole court thing's done. <laughs> well, most of them. Most of them. Not all of them. <laughs> no, but what, for posterity. Yeah. what I was going to say with the, with regards to Kylo is, you know, Emperor Palpatine gets tossed down that reactor shaft and, and that wash of blue energy comes up, yeah. which at the time of watching the film, I just thought it was, you know, reactor offshoot. Yeah, but yeah. it could also have been his dark side presence because yeah. you know the, the dark siders can attach themselves to objects, mm-hmm. and that washed you know you see that wash over Vader's mask because it's coming out of the well there. Uh-huh. So I'd be interested to see if you know he got his presence into Vader's mask and was using that. You know we know Kylo's talking to Vader's mask and asking it to show him the power of the dark side. It'd be very interesting if uh, Palpatine was the one that kind of corrupted uh, Kylo Ren. So I think that'd be awesome. I, I can't help but but think of like a robot chicken scenario with that, <laughs> <laughs> where Papa Palpatine's like in the helmet and he's like knocking on the on the eyes, can't get out. Uh, they would do that too. They would. They they probably will. <laughs> so the um so then the fact that these Sith uh, artifacts were in the Temple on Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Now, that's first of all not in the movies. You, no. you get, you know, they don't talk about that. They talk about the holocrons and the Clone Wars. For sure. um, they do talk about, uh, um, you know, certain different pieces in the comics. Uh, but 
having I, I, I did not know that honestly I didn't know about that piece I mean that mm. totally then lends even more credence to the idea that the influence uh, or as it wrote as I wrote here in my notes, <laughs> in, 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 influence um, um, the, um, and it literally is written like that because my uh, my Siri auto corrected me from my proper spelling of the word to our spelling of the word um, the uh, how that the clouded uh, perspective from not Yoda, but the entire um, uh, council yeah. through the rise of Sidious and how that all all happened. That's fan- That's absolutely fabulous information. Yeah, and if people are looking for where that can be found, it's both in the Darth Vader comics uh, that came mm-hmm. out um, in the last couple of years, as well as the Dooku Jedi Lost, um, which was an oh, audio yes. funk bolt play. Uh, but they have a book for that as well, and they talk a lot about Dooku and um, uh, oh god, what's the <laughs> boy? Uh, blanking on his his friend who um, started the Grand Army of the Republic. Oh, Sifo-Dyas? Sifo-Dyas, man. That's, that's the one. Thing to blank on. But yeah, uh, he and Sifo-Dyas were trying to get into that right. particular Teamwork. vault or, uh, you know, hidden chamber within the uh, archives as well. Very it wasn't cool. just Sith artifacts. I mean, there were things in there that were just all kinds of, uh, you know, specialized and, uh, precious quote unquote uh, force artifacts that were not holocrons. So it was kind of like their, uh, you know, their their master collection about everything but but the holocrons. Right. Mm. That's. I mean, the the fact that the um, you know they pepper those things in into different media uh, and you know the, uh, the you know ex- not the expectation for the, the sort of the base level fan um, the and for me as well because you know I didn't know about that. In, within the you know the, the artifacts, but let's say if you take for example where you have the casual fan who's watching the movies and they sort of go through this whole story and and uh, they just sort of take things for granted, right? And let's say I think that the girl at work is a perfect example of where she's taking it for the first time, really sort of delving into the entire saga, and she has questions and everything, but still taking the story for what it's worth, and they'll still put in the sort of the fan service pieces, but mm-hmm. it's like the whole. Um, Darth Maul in in Solo. Yes. You know, remember how yes. we were talking about that before we even, if you hadn't watched a The Clone Wars, right? Um, it would have been completely unbeknownst to you. Yeah, and that's uh, people even now on online that just getting into the films and all um, are like, didn't that dude die and get cut in half and stuff? Right. right. Like, well, you, that's half right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> I always tell people, I'm like the 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 number one way to to uh, ensure someone's not dead is to throw them down a well. Yes, <laughs> yes. Long, dark, deep shot. Right, yes. right. Small. Got you know Han Solo likely still alive is what I'm saying. Oh my God, my I have goosebumps. I I literally have goosebumps. Okay, expand upon that. Uh, we'll just sort of take a break from the Jedi Temple here for a second. <laughs> Go uh, continue. It's not all about the force. <laughs> no, I just think I think it's funny that you know uh, Palpatine got thrown down the reactor. Uh-huh. Now we now we know he's still alive. We've got uh, in Maul. some shape or form, right? We got Maul who gets cut in half and thrown down a down a shaft, still alive. So it's just kind of a question Luke of got thrown down in Java's palace. Yes, yeah, oh, and yep. in and in uh, in uh, Bespin. Yep, in Bespin. Yeah. and he's still well, still alive. <laughs> Although interestingly enough, they actually uh, cut a scene within the uh, within the Bespin kind of underbelly where when Luke let go, the winds coming from the reactor actually blew him up a little bit before he fell down. 
Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I think they were trying to lay in the fact that, you know, it was not this just complete free fall. There were kind of winds buffeting him from below, which is why he, you know, was, uh, able, was to able to survive that fall. Uh, yeah, yeah, he also came along the curved yeah, side exactly. as well. It's like a big slide. It yeah, looks, yeah. Looks yeah he was, that's why when he's going down, he's like, ah, wee. <laughs> I remember hearing yeah, that. Right, and his GoPro. Yeah, he did have his GoPro. What they don't show is on the other side of that fin was a guy with the uh, with the bungee cord and the carabiner, and he's like, "Hey, you didn't hook up." <laughs> exactly. Oh man, never wanted to follow the directions. Some teenage exactly. carnage working. <laughs> he's like, "Whatever, man. I'm still getting paid." <laughs> so, um, a carnage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hands, well, like Yes. Circus folk. <laughs> the uh, so the the other locations apart from Coruscant, like I said, you know, the, it sort of you know resonated um, with me in like Octo and uh, you know the uh, in Lothal during in Rebels, but that network of Jedi temples uh, across the galaxy, not only did it provide place for. Um, the options for the Jedi to be sort of have like waypoints almost as as they're going through travels and doing what they have to do as part of the Jedi Order, but it also then becomes not sort of a spiritual um, uh, center, but also like a place where the Jedi can go in and meditate, but also then you know sort of reconnect with the Force. That part of it sort of leads me to think that you know as long as those secondary tertiary locations exist, the story can like really take you know, uh, uh, different forms with Force users because not all of those locations are destroyed. Let's say Lothal isn't, I mean, they know about them, the Sith know about them, well, at least then they did. So those those centers of the Force, like Dagobah and all these different things, continue to exist throughout these uh, the entire saga. Yeah, especially in, like, the Outer Rim and stuff where there's not really a big uh, Imperial influence or... Sith influence, for that matter. Right. So it's kind of like these backworld planets that, yeah, there's something there, but when everything else is wiped out, that's what's left. Right. Dagobah, otherwise known as the Jedi Club Mad, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there it is. That's awesome. That's why Yoda looks so good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's chilling. 800 years, you... uh, Yeah, Yeah, you Yeah, there you go. He went Um, from 800 to 900 pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, tra- he trained Jedi for 800. Right. That'll, that'll That's a long time. That'll knock 100 years off you yeah, real quick. <laughs> absolutely. Especially if they're like, oh, Anakin. <laughs> oh, my. So the, um, and uh, so the thought behind that is that, you know, as the story progresses and as the saga does end, the, uh, the force sensitive users, however the force will end up being after the rise of Skywalker, of course, but, it presents a lot of options for the story to go, whether it's in the future or in the past, that you're not locked into, you know, Coruscant, or as like the sort of the canon, or at least like the top level enjoyment of the movies, where it's like, oh, okay, oh, well, I guess the Jedi Temple on Coruscant's destroyed. Uh, well, it was, but there's many others, and mm-hmm. um, uh, we're gonna take a quick break here soon, but we're gonna get into Jocasta Noon, what she did, but yes. the uh, the fact that these temples do exist. You know, I I just don't I don't see how this you know the the larger story of Star Wars can end because there's just such a rich right. underlayer of of uh, especially in the Jedi temples uh, that can allow the story to continue to grow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could argue that it's almost better if they have temples that are not located on Coruscant. I would definitely say that the Jedi and their, you know, their claims that attachment was forbidden, yet they were attached to the the Republic, be it the old mm-hmm. Republic or the mm-hmm. new Republic. I mean, they had, you know, their own huge flaw within the fact that they really had a vested interest in the Republic and were really acting as their peacekeepers. And um, based on the the tenets of their order, they really shouldn't have been. Yeah, right. and that's where kind of Luke was right. right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're they're almost hypocritical right. in their own right, and he's like, you know, they're they're prideful, they're they've got hubris and 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 contradictory practices. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here, and we'll be right back, and we're gonna talk about uh, Jocasta New and the Librarian. Hmm. Good morning, Jeff. The usual? Nah, not this morning, Dex. I had a bad Ronto rap last night, and my stomach is killing me now. Sorry to hear that. We're not in Batuu, you know. Does your stomach feel like you've eaten a bunch of death sticks? Trust Galactoseltzer to ease heartburn faster than a Neju. Wow, I feel great, Dex. Thanks. You want that calf to go? Yes, please. I'm ready to take on those rebels. Galactus Elser, always the one. No more, no less. Results not guaranteed. All right, well, we're back, and uh, thank you to our sponsors, and uh, half the money that we get from our sponsors will go right to Rob. Yes. Uh, by the way, we haven't The check is in the mail. <laughs> the, the change purse is in the mail? Yes, <laughs> yes. You don't, you don't need those credits anyway. Exactly. Change first. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's no change. <laughs> I was at Galaxy's Edge and I was just thinking about Hondo because I do. Yeah. And uh, just a quick sidebar because I do and I loved him coming. Um, so and I was like, um, and I was thinking like, because it's smugglers and all. He's like, right. smugglers, almost as bad as pirates in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of mindset. I love it. <laughs> I mean, Hondo's another example. Like, we dealt with Hondo pretty early on in the, uh, in the JTA podcast just because I knew that Galaxy's Edge was coming in. There were so many people who wouldn't know who Hondo Onaka was, but he's a great yes. character. I mean, he's got a great story arc through all the existing material, um, from being a real cutthroat pirate to the point where he was really a close friend of Ezra. Yeah. I yeah. Like, uh, I love that yeah, boy. Yeah. He's never been more proud. <laughs> Such a great character. Love that guy. Uh, um, so the librarian. I still want him. I, I still want him to do like some poo lines at Hondo. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> that would be ideal. That's our mission in life. Exactly. The next time we see him at a con, that will right, be right. Hey Jim, Jim, real quick, real quick. Like we call him Jim because yeah. he's our bud. And every, for every 15 words, we'll have another 20 just to sort of string along. <laughs> yes. so you're saying that the weak way throw poo around? <laughs> well, some in, you know, some of their parties get a little rough. I don't know if you've been a weak way on a weekend. You know what I mean? Oh, Jocasta New. Jocasta New, yes. But we digress very quickly. Um, so she was born on Coruscant, correct? No, I'm my understanding is correct. Okay, and um. The we of course first see her in in uh, Attack of the Clones, and uh, she's just this librarian 
Um, a clone army. A clone army. <laughs> we have to. Yes. The uh, now we're talking just before the break about you know uh, the hubris of the Jedi, and you know that's reflected quite quickly with Jocasta New as well, and and the fact that you know Camino wasn't uh, present in the um, in the archives, and sort of the somewhat conceited uh, approach that well, if it's not in the archives, it doesn't exist, and that the it's funny how that, you know, from the top on down, that sort of uh, self-confidence to a fault almost uh, does lead for problems within the Jedi uh, the Council. But her history uh, is quite rich in that sense. And you look, look, look to you're dying to say something. Okay. Um, the, uh, the fact that she's sitting there with the, this vast amount of knowledge, uh, the, she has, first of all, she's a Jedi. She's she was a trained Jedi, which I again didn't know either, uh, which was a fa- fascinating. Um, they all are. Yeah, which makes sense. A Jedi master uh, and a former member of the of the High Council. Yes. She's on the High Council. She too. was on the High Council. That she, she had previously had access to the Holocron Vault. Wow, and, and see, that was only available to the to the uh, Council. So yeah. Great, so now it's like two guys who have a vast amount of knowledge, and I'm sitting here, and that's okay. Well, just it's a nerd sandwich. <laughs> it's a nerd sandwich, and you're the baloney in the middle. <laughs> you're full of baloney. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's on the council. So yes. So then she became, you know, she was appointed, like she was. She what transitioned into that uh, as a like for the to be the librarian or is that something she wanted like is that it? I don't know that they've really established how she came about becoming the chief librarian. I mean, it certainly happened after uh, being on the council, and I thought it was interesting because they established the fact that she was on the council and had kind of stepped away from that, which would imply that Jedi kind of come and go on the high council, and it's not like the Supreme Court where you live to you know two hundred years old and you and you kick the bucket and then they appoint someone. So. Um, with so term limits, right? <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> Possibly, I don't know. They haven't they haven't really delved into that a whole lot. But uh, it sounds like uh, from the storyline that that I've seen, uh, she was previously what they would call a seeker. So she was one of the people who would go out and try to find the young, force sensitive children in the galaxy. She also was known to have uh, collected a lot of the information that got stored in the archives. Some of these artifacts that we're talking about. Um, <laughs> so. You know, she she had a lot of pride in the in the temple archives, primarily because she was responsible for pulling together some of that information herself. And uh, as you said, I mean, that pride uh, was pretty evident within Attack of the Clones. So she was like an archaeologist of Jedi artifacts. Yeah, Indiana knew. Well, I was thinking uh, Jocasta Jones in the Temple of Archives. I like. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you working hard on something there, so. <laughs> I see something spinning. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so the that also like the net leads leads obviously into the whole uh, Sith um, artifacts or just artifacts uh, themselves as sort of that uh, uh, planet traveling um, uh, representative of the Jedi collecting all these things, but also just like a knowledge and the other the other way as well, like just filling the archives, not the the holocrons themselves, but the but but she was on the high council. She had then a Padawan, I assume, then, right? Uh, I I would expect that she did. I don't know that there's anything within canon that establishes that, but I would certainly think that you know, as a Jedi Master, she would have had a Padawan at some point. 
Right. So then, so like, so her responsibility then of like having this, the, the temple, the archives, like sort of like the library side of it, right? The non-holocron access. So any Jedi could go in there and take reference material and sort of go through it. And she was responsible for collecting a lot. That's really cool. That's the, uh, uh, that's, I guess, part of the primary piece of it then too, and that the, you know, if she's gone through so much energy, uh, throughout the entire galaxy, you know, I don't say that the arrogance is there, but if, you know, if you've collected all this stuff and then made the effort to fill this entire area up, you're pretty confident in what you, you know, what you yeah. think you know. And I, yeah. protective of it. Yeah, and I would say arrogance might even be a good word for it because I thought she certainly displayed that within Attack of the Clones. I mean, she, Obi-Wan was just asking a reasonable question, you know, it was impossible that it couldn't be, you know, that it may be missing or uh, have been removed from the archives and she's just like, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's absolutely. no way. Exactly. No way. It could never have happened. <laughs> the, um, so, now I did a bit of research on this part too, uh, uh, because I didn't know what happened to we don't you know after uh, Order sixty six right um, there's sort of like the there's a canon version of where she lived through sixty six yeah, yeah. Uh, and what was that was it because I think go ahead what huh who talks first I talk first you talk oh. first <laughs> um well to understand what the apparatus <laughs> he gets it um, so um yeah. I think, as I understand it, it was kind of up in the air for a while, where people were like, "Did she die? Did she, you know, was she killed in Order right. 66?" And all, right. and then, and then, and then the Vader comics. Right. Exactly. Ah, the Vader comics. Okay. Okay. And yes. then it was okay. So here's what happened. Okay. And mm-hmm. which is. Uh, so basically uh she survived. She was kind of living in the underbelly of Coruscant uh, with uh, another. Uh, individual named Gar, um, and basically what she was doing was she had uh, salvaged a bunch of holocrons and was recording as much knowledge as she could on those to kind of try to rebuild, um, you know, as much of the library as she could within those holocrons. She completed that task and then uh, decided that she was going to go back into the into the uh, temple because within that secret chamber, within the archives, was a list of all the Force-sensitive children that they had found up until the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, and she was concerned, A, you know, she was trying to rebuild a, a school, essentially, to groom a new generation of Jedi. She was going to need students, but she also wanted to make sure that that information was not available to the Emperor uh, and Darth Vader. So she snuck back into the Temple archives, um, and as she did that, she found the Grand Inquisitor, who actually was a former temple arc, uh, temple guard, oh. turned to the dark side as part of the Inquisitorius. And he was uh, one of the reasons that he turned is that he wanted access to uh, the next level of information within the archive. And Joe Castanew was very dismissive of him. You know, you're not worthy of this knowledge. Uh, so he was basically going through the temple archives and just kind of reading things and tossing it aside and had his feet up on the desk and uh, kind of got her got her uh, a little bit cheesed off at him. Uh, and she was considering confronting him and then kind of reminded herself, no, you have a, a bigger mission. So she goes into the secret uh, the secret repository where all these artifacts were kept. She retrieved the list of the children. She was going to exit the temple. And she saw him once again kind of desecrating her sacred, uh, temple, you know, knowledge and ended up confronting him, uh, in a lightsaber battle. Uh, and he was actually going to kill her. And Darth Vader had been sent by the Emperor 
to find Joe Castanew because he as well knew that there was a list of these four sensitive children and he wanted her captured. He was kind of at the top of the emperor's hit list. Um, so, or uh, Joe Castanew was at the top of the emperor's hit list. So Vader arrives, basically stops the grand inquisitor from killing Joe Castanew. She escapes the two of them back into the secret archive and gets her hands on uh, a lightsaber rifle. It's called, which is the first time we ever see anything like oh, this show wow. up. Uh, it basically, you insert your lightsaber into this chamber and it uses the crystal within your lightsaber to magnify these laser blasts. So, is that like Ezra's, uh, Ezra's, uh, weapon and uh, this, no. No? Uh, this turns, this turns yeah. this gun into this mega powerful weapon. So she, oh. she gets a few pop shots <laughs> off at Vader. Um, and eventually is captured by him. He gets the list of four sensitive children and, uh, you know, he, he does end up killing Joe Castanew, but her kind of master stroke is to make Vader think about why the Emperor wants that list of four sensitive children to basically supplant him, mm-hmm. uh, throw this Inquisitorious. And so Vader actually destroys the crystal containing all this information on the ah. children. So Joe Castanew is killed by Vader, but, uh, you know, she kind of, uh, in true Jedi form, kind of gets the gets the last victory there by denying the Emperor this list of four sensitive children. Huh. Okay. Nice. Well, there you go. Now you don't have to buy the comics. <laughs> All right. There it is. All right. That's uh. Wow. That is. <laughs> I can sit here all day, just ask you questions and listen to you recount them all. <laughs> so what's next? <laughs> I don't know. That's, fun. <laughs> That's uh. But wow. Well, that. that what a rich, what a rich sort of back and forth. I had no idea about. Um, that's fantastic, and the fact that, of course, you just rattled that off as if uh, you wrote the script, which is fantastic. Um, but that weapon, holy moly, I've never heard about that weapon either. I'm learning a lot today, apparently. Uh, but that, have we, has that that's ever appeared cool. anywhere else? No, no, mention of anything yet. The problem is it's only, you only can get uh, a few shots off with it before it will blow the crystal in your lightsaber. Um, it's one of the few ways that you can that you can actually destroy one of those crystals. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That does suck. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, all that hard work. <laughs> After the fall of the Jedi, uh, Palpatine actually did move into the Jedi Temple, and that became his Imperial Palace. So. What a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> but he that's why he's a jerk. Not well, because he orchestrated the, the fall of the Republic. Up until then, completely reasonable guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming on today and uh, first yeah. of all, schooling me and uh, bringing uh, me into the uh, Jedi Temple archives because I lo- learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, even though I researched for this. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. There's Sorry. so much out there. It's It's impossible to catch it all. Right. Um, so where can people find you online? Uh, I'm usually found, uh, really anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, certainly you can find the podcast through our website at, uh, jtapodcast.com. Uh, we can be reached via email at jtapodcast at gmail.com. And you can find me out on the socials on, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at jtapodcast. Pinterest. Typically yeah. Twitter though. I think that's, that's, uh, where I do most of my, most mm-hmm. of my worst work. Right. <laughs> Worst work. That includes us, too. We, we, we've uh, been known to get into some uh, 
Twitter um, yes. loop foolery. Loop foolery and Han, <laughs> and Han, and Han, Han jinx. Thank you again, Rob. Once again, it was a it was a pleasure to have you on, and uh, using uh, your deep knowledge to you know educate me, but also have a great time as well. Yeah. I talk, who talks first? I talk first. You talk first. First, well, I can't and tell because of the mask you're wearing. It's hard for me to tell. <laughs> All right, so uh, that was. You know, a fantastic session we had with Rob. He's a great person. Oh, he's so good. And yeah. he's such a like, wealth of knowledge. Yeah, and we can't recommend highly enough if, to, for you to listen to his podcast because he deep dives into all of these subjects and he has a deep knowledge of all these pieces and all these characters and locations. It really is a fantastic podcast. And he's fluent in Arabesh, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I, I still don't know where my jaw is. I, I'm still looking for that because the where I think it fell. You left yeah, I think it's at the condo there, still. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. So I'll go I'll go back and look for that. Yes. Um but thank you once again, Rob, for uh, coming on the show. It was fantastic. Oh, we had a great time. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so what we have right now, too, is we have uh, some uh, OT questions were answered by uh, one of our fellow podcasters, actually. Her name is Lacey Gillerin, and yes. she's from the Resistance Broadcast. And she kindly um, answered our questions. And we're going to take a listen to those, and we'll be right back. Hey, Conversations Podcast. This is Lacey from the Resistance Broadcast. And I understand you have some questions for me. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, it's super fun. All right, so the first question is, what is your fandom origin story? Well, I've been into Star Wars for a while, a long while, the majority of my life, actually. Um, I got into Star Wars around first or second grade. Um, people often ask me, were my parents into it, grandparents, siblings, whatever? Was, was someone else an influence on me to like Star Wars? And my answer is actually no. Surprisingly, I got into Star Wars because I was at a grocery store local to Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. And uh, it's called Stu Leonard's. It's like this dairy farm store with animatronics and stuff. It's kind of wacky. But they had a movie section, and in the section was a VHS set of Star Wars um, with Darth Vader's mask on it. And I remember I walked up to it and was like, Hey, what is this? And my dad's like, Oh, it's Star Wars. And I was like, I have, I, I want it. And he was like, All right. So, uh, we bought it and it was just like history ever since. You know, I, I watched A New Hope and I immediately fell in love with Luke, but not like a romantic way. It was more of like a, a camaraderie way of, kind of sympathizing with Luke, of wanting more adventure, of feeling like there's something else out there uh, for me. And I and I dreamed of going on adventures. I used to run around pretending I was Leia's daughter and going on missions for her. So that's where Star Wars started for me. And it kind of has just obviously grown since. And I'm obsessed. But uh, that was my humble beginning with Star Wars. Um, all right. Number two, what, how did, or not what, how does Star Wars impact your everyday life? So I feel like if you asked me this question a couple of years ago, I'd probably say, well, you know, I, I like the movies. I watch them regularly. Uh, I collect stuff from Star Wars. But in the past two years, uh, I joined the podcast, Resistance Broadcast for Star Wars Newsnet, and it's just kind of exploded in my life. Like, it's kind of taken over in a way that I both love, but also can't believe where I am from two years ago. So everyday life, I mean, running the podcast, interacting with people online, we record twice a week, this 
Currently, we're recording three times a week because of the Mando Fan Show. Um, you know, I strongly can't thank Star Wars enough um, for kind of not only making me who I am, but for affecting my life in a way that nothing else ever has. So for a good chunk of my life, it's, you know, you're just trying to, everyone's trying to figure out what their purpose is and, and what they're doing. And Star Wars over the past few years has given me a sense of purpose, has given me dreams and goals and and skills that I never could have imagined that I would gain. Um, and I say this all the time, but it's totally true and it sounds a little corny, but it's how I feel where Star Wars has given me a sense of belonging that I had been looking for for a really long time. I've kind of found my people in the Star Wars fandom, which has completely changed my life. You know, I'm talking to people that I get to see once or twice a year at Star Wars Celebration and maybe some other Comic-Cons and stuff, but they're like family to me. I talk to them all the time. I'm Every time something happens in Star Wars or even in my own personal life, I'm just so excited to tell them. Um, I've become such close friends with John and James from the podcast. They're like family to me. So it how has Star Wars impacted my everyday life? It's given me a life. <laughs> it's given me purpose and belonging and just affected me in a way that if Star Wars was a person, I could never thank it enough. You know, it's just, it's part of who I am. Um, if you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, who would it be? What would you talk about? It could be anyone from creators, artists, actors, characters, etc. So I'm going to give two answers and, and I'll explain why. So my first gut reaction answer is Carrie Fisher. She is just so important to me. So I would love to sit down with her and hear about her life and um, how she became the way she became. And she, I just feel like she'd give me really good advice, like really down, dirty, honest advice. And like sometimes that's what you need to hear. Um, and yeah, I would just love to do that. Obviously, I can't, unfortunately, which is very sad. But so my other answer would be probably George Lucas, which I feel like in answering that, a lot of people would be like, really? Because, you know, I love Kylo Ren. So I feel like people would automatically assume that I'd say Adam Driver, which I'm sure Adam's lovely. Um, but I would say George Lucas because he came up with Star Wars and what it is today would not it wouldn't exist without George. So I would love for him to explain to me how to bring balance to the force uh, from his own eyes and how Star Wars has changed from when he created it to now and any new cool ideas he might have or things that he wish he explored. Like, I think there's just so much there that's untouched with his brain <laughs> that I would just love. It would just be such an interesting lunch to hear. And, and I would also just like in a corny way, like want to tell him how, it's changed my life and, and let him know that like he's awesome in doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, okay. And bonus question. I love a good bonus question. So the bonus question is Carrie Fisher slash princess Leia slash I'm going to add general Organa as well, uh, helped make you who you are today. That is accurate. Um, in what ways do you bring her essence into your own life? This is a this is a fabulous question. Really, really good question. Um, Carrie Fisher was and Princess Leia as a character were 
important to me growing up because, you know, I was very young, obviously, first, second grade, but uh, up until that point, I hadn't really seen any strong, uh, I hate to say strong female characters, but really strong female characters that didn't need saving in the sense of like, she had a plan. And obviously, Luke and Han ultimately do help her out. But as soon as they get her out of the door, she's like taking control, which is like how I am. And I and I like to think that who I am as a person is due to her and characters like that, where she taught me to always kind of like speak my mind and like, don't be afraid to to believe, to stand up for what you believe in and, and to fight for what's right. Uh, regardless of how hard it might be or the consequences, because at the end of the day, all that matters is is being a good person and doing what's right. And I think that that's what I kind of got from Carrie and, and Princess Leia was sometimes we have to do the tough things to do the right thing. Um, and not only that, like she could hang with the boys and... I loved that. You know, growing up, I had a lot of guy friends because I was into Star Wars and anime and, uh, you know, other stuff like that. I just always had like a lot of guy friends. So I kind of sympathized with her because she could hold her own. And I like to think that I can I can hold my own, too. So that's why I I I think I bring that into my life. Like if I ever think like, oh, I'm really anxious about something or nervous. I'm like, okay, well, what would Princess Leia or Carrie Fisher do? They'd say, you know what? Just do it. Wait, what do you get to lose, right? Um, but yeah, that was a great question. Thank you so much for including me. Uh, I hope you guys have the best day ever and best show. Um, may the force be with you. Wow. So uh, thank you, Lacey, for, for that fantastic response to our OTQs and um, just just being so gracious to um, to address them for us. You know, what I picked out what you had said about, you know, sometimes you have to to be do the right thing. You have to be tough. And, you know, that not only is a strong characteristic for Leia, but it's also for Luke and Hannah and the entire rest of the cast of the characters, at least. And how you can translate that into life every day, really. You know, you can look at those challenges as a as a as a leap uh, to get over that hump to do the next thing. And it's that's how we bring Star Wars into our lives. And. It's wonderful how you bring Star Wars into your life, and we can't we can't thank you enough for answering those questions and so eloquently and beautifully. It was wonderful to listen to them. So I think with the um, what would Carrie Fisher do tagline, we need to add the um, the more you know graphic there to this. <laughs> yes. Just to, just to drive that home. The more you know with Lacey. The right. more you know with Lacey Gillerin. Yes. Yes. We'll add that as yes, a brand new segment. You don't know anything with us. Cause no. No, we don't teach you anything. No. <laughs> That's why we bring other people in. That's exactly. We bring in we bring in the talent like right. I did with you. So that was step one. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much, and I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did. Find us on Twitter, uh, of course, at Suasions. You can uh, find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash conversations. You can find us on our website at conversations.com. We also have an email, conversations at gmail.com. May the force be with you, always. to say that conversation now i can't stop all right may the force be with you listen on 